listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Been doing a series called Synced. Synced to the heart of God synced to the will of God so that our life is actually doing what we were designed to do. We used the example when we started this series of uh, my laptop computer and my external keyboard and my external mouse pad. And we said that those keyboards and mouse pads and external speakers can all be perfectly useful, have power in them, ready to go, but unless they are synced, Unless they are communicating or in constant communication with the computer, then they're not going to function as they were designed to be used. And so we've found in Philippians chapter number one about four things that the, that the church, all of us can look at and see how that if, if we will simply When we're choosing in the aspects of our lives, when it is our choice, when we will choose to be synced to the heart of God through the instruction of his word, we'll discover that we can function as God designed us to function and we'll discover that we're synced together because if we're all synced to the same source, then we'll all be working in tandem together. In this series, Being Synced, It's about how we choose to live as God's child by faith. It's not about how we become God's child. Becoming God's child happens only by the will of the Father through the death and resurrection of God the Son and it is conferred, it is brought upon us by the work of God the Holy Spirit when by faith alone we trust in what Jesus has done for us plus nothing minus nothing. So we're not talking about being synced so that I'll be in relationship with God. We're talking about being synced because we're in a relationship with God. You've got, some of you have had children before and they're children of yours because they came from you or you adopted them into your family. That's a done deal. They're your kids, but you know, there are times in your life where you're not in sync with them, right? And that has to do a lot of times by their choice. You've shown them what it looks like to be in sync and they decide to walk over here. It can be difficult But when we're all synced together, you you do that in marriages too. Y'all stood before your spouse and you said, I do, and I do. And you know, a lot of times you don't. You're out of sync, right? But when you're in sync in a relationship that's already established and solid, then, then you know what it's like to work in harmony. That's what we're talking about here. And that's what Paul called the Philippian church to. Be in sync. I want to hear. I may not be able to come to you again. I may only be able to hear about what God's doing in you. And I want to hear that you guys are in sync with one another because you're in sync with the heart of God. And we broke it down. We said first that we need to be synced like Jesus. We looked at Philippians 2, 3 through 11. 
we discovered that Jesus showed us what it looked like to be in sync with the will and the heart and the mission of God when he lived on this earth. He lived in, in, in a way that was humble. He lived in a way that was sacrificial. He lived in a way that was obedient. He lived in a way that ultimately became victorious. We should be synced like Jesus, trusting that even though there's difficulties that await, if we will simply walk in the way that God has laid out for us, it will ultimately end up in his glory along the way and victory in the end, synced like Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in the Savior, and here's what he did, let's look like him. We said that we can be synced with the gospel, Philippians 1, 27, the first part. We said when we're synced with the gospel, we are choosing to live as citizens of heaven and not citizens of some earthly nation, but we're living our life as a citizen of the newness that we are because of Christ. And we are organizing our life so that our life might be in harmony with the gospel in harmony with the effects of the gospel? What is someone supposed to look like that has been transformed by the gospel? And we walk in that because we choose to. We walk in the light of the message of the gospel. We're communicating this message that had such an effect on our life. And then we're walking in harmony with the elements of the gospel. Love, mercy, grace, compassion, forgiveness, restoration, renewal, all of these things. We're in sync with the gospel because we choose to be. And then we said that we can be in sync on mission. Philippians 1, 27, the second part, talks about us being uh, standing firm, talks about us being dug in. It talks about us being of the same mind and passion of everybody else that is a follower of Jesus. It talks about us being locked arms and all that based on the faith of the gospel. Dug in on the face of the gospel, impassioned and motivated by the faith of the gospel, and then locked arms and serving and striving for one another because of the faith of the gospel. Last week, we saw in Philippians 1.28 how that we also need to be synced in courage. Synced in courage. Why? Because there are things that will oppose us, us as followers of Jesus that will stand in the way and cause us to fear. Cause fear to come into our life where we say, well, I'm afraid to dig in. I'm, I'm afraid to, to let my passion and motivation be about the faith of the gospel. And I really don't want to lock arms because there are those that are going to oppose us and it could be harmful and hurtful. And so I pull away because of fear. That could happen in our nation. And we need to encourage one another to stand. Don't be intimidated by fear. Because what did Jesus say? Nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop the advance of my people, not even the gates of hell. And it's not going to be because you're so strong. It's because the Holy Spirit is with you and I've built you as a building that will stand. And even when they're knocking you off one by here and there and bunch of you over there, they're not going to be able to stop the progress. So keep on going. Don't be intimidated. Yeah, but we don't face that kind of thing in America because it's against the law to be against Christians for just being followers of Jesus. So what do we do? We still have to face fear and we have to say no to the fear of failure. We have to say no to the fear of rejection and we have to say no, 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 no to the fear of missing out. 
The fear of missing out will say, if you dig in on this thing called the faith of the gospel, if you let the passion of the gospel and let the motivation of the gospel drive you, if you decide to lock arms with your brothers and sisters, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of things. And we consistently wrestle with choosing stuff over God and relegating God to a part of our life that will include him on all of these other things that we wanted to do. And I said a whole lot of offensive things last week, not offensive, but of things that probably offend. Thank y'all for coming back. I was wondering if we would have very many folks come back today because I hit a bunch of them and you probably went away going, he's talking about me. No, I'm just saying we wrestle with all of the other stuff that we could choose over him. And that's a fear that we have of missing out on something that we think is going to bring us happiness and joy and fulfillment. It won't. It won't. The only thing that will bring us fulfillment is being synced to the source where we can operate as we were designed to operate. And we said, we say no, 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 no to the fear of missing out, rejection and failure. But today we want to Talk about how we can be synced to the most difficult thing in this whole passage. Let's start by reading verse number 28. It says, And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid of those things that oppose you. And don't let those internal things that will oppose you also cause you to be intimidated. For, verse 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also, say it, suffer. Not only has it been granted that you'll believe in him, but God has granted that you should suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. It has been granted. So I'm calling this the gift of suffering. Synced like Jesus, synced with the gospel, synced on mission, synced in courage, synced to suffer. If that doesn't cause you to backpedal a little bit, then you probably weren't raised in America. Synced to suffer. The gift of suffering, it has been granted to you. That literally means to, be, to have granted to you to give freely as a favor. To give freely as a favor. When somebody's going to give me something freely as a favor... Just because they want to, just because they love me, you never go wrong with cash. Just throwing that out there, okay? So you never go wrong. You just want to bless. You just want to say, Kevin, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. I'm telling you, cash is always a great way of saying that. Anybody disagree? I mean, that's always good, right? I mean, but also, you know, it's a gift like you would enjoy, right? Nobody's going to give me uh, like a crocheted shawl for me to, I'm not, why, that's not going to be a good gift for me. Where am I going to wear a crocheted shawl? Why, why would that, you're imagining that right now and it would be ridiculous. That would be of no, I wouldn't want that. 
I wouldn't want for someone to say, hey, Kevin, I signed you up. There's going to be some waterboarding that's going to be happening down in Tampa. I got you signed up. I went ahead and paid the fee. All you got to do is show up. They'll lay you back. They'll half drown you. I'm, I'm like, uh, I, I'm, I don't know if I appreciate you caring about me that much. Because that doesn't compute in our mind. But those of you who have been in the military, you've probably stood before a drill sergeant that said some manner of welcome, ladies. We have a lot to offer you here, and it's going to be our pleasure to give it to you. And those of you who have been in the military probably would say those 13, 14, however many, 18 weeks that you're there, there's nothing enjoyable about that time, right? It's just the opposite. You're just like, what kind of sadistic mind would want to give me this? Why are they doing that? Because they know when you come out on the other side of that torture, what are you going to be? You are going to be a well-equipped military, uh, a member of one of the greatest militaries in all of history. So what they're saying is, it's kind of a gift to you to take you through all this torture and pain and ridicule and make you want to think you're broken just to bring you out on the other side and say, see what we got? Plenty of coaches have said that before. They've blown that whistle springtime or summertime and they've said, welcome to football camp. We're so glad you're here. We're excited about what we're going to be able to give for you for the next however many days. And you know what it is, a whole lot of running and throwing up and wishing you were back home with mama. But on the other side of that, you, you very well might become that championship, a better player, a, a better teammate. So sometimes we have to look at difficulty. We have to look at things that we would recoil against as a means to an end, as a worthwhile means to an end. How many of you fathers have ever gone to your, your children and woke them up and you said to them, hey, I got a lot of fun stuff planned for today. Let's get up. Let's get going. You drag them out of bed and what are you doing? You're weeding the yard. You're digging up plants or you're painting something. And I'm just telling you, the kids are going, oh, this ain't a pleasure. This ain't a privilege. But as a father, you're saying, yeah, it is. Because on the other side of this, we're working on your work ethic. We're training you, okay? So let that just kind of settle in your mind when you hear that Paul says, hey, guys, God has freely given you the gift of suffering. Suffering. To suffer is to experience something unfavorable, and at this, it means at the hands of others. At the hands of others, the experience of something unfavorable. This morning, and I promise you, I didn't, I just felt like we needed to share a prayer request, but it, it does work here. We face things like sickness, financial crises that show up, some that we caused and some that, that others created for us, flat tires family strife we face work stress we face all kinds of things stub toe right now i'm telling you the back of my heel something connected to my achilles tent is just on fire this morning so if you see me limping i did something and it is hurting but that ain't suffering not as it applies to this passage 
You see, we face things as humans in a sinful world that are challenging. That's not the suffering that this passage is talking about. Those are circumstances that we endure in a sinful world. Now, those are opportunities that we have to glorify God with how we embrace those things. How we walk by faith in those circumstances are an opportunity for us to give glory to God. But that's not what we're talking about when it comes to suffering. You see, I don't think that God grants us cancer. That I don't believe is consistent with the heart. I think God allows cancer because sin has corrupted what he made to be good. And I think God walks along and says, here's what I'm going to do. That really hurt, by the way. I'm going to walk with you in your cancer. See, I didn't create cancer. I would have never chosen for there to be cancer. Sin is what brought cancer. I'm going to walk with you in those relationships that are broken. See, I didn't create relationships to be broken. No, but I'm going to walk with you through that because I'm a good God and I'm going to show you a way to glorify me in that. But I'm not granting that to you. I'm not granting to you the loss of a child. I'm not granting to you the, the, the loss of a spouse or the, the diagnosis or the job that you got taken away. I'm not granting you those things. Those are a part of a sinful world that I'm sovereign over. And I'm going to walk with you through that because ultimately I'm going to handle all of that and bring that to a completion. And you're going to be on the other side, praising God for what he's done, but he'll grant suffering. You say, what's the difference? The difference is suffering is the persecution we face at the hand of others specifically for obeying God and declaring his word. Now, here's what's different. Because we needed a savior, because we could not save ourselves, God in his sovereignty chose to love us. God in his sovereignty chose to allow God the son, who we know as Jesus, to step into humanity. God granted Jesus the privilege of demonstrating his love by stepping into humanity so that he might face suffering and opposition and ultimately would lead to his death, but on the heels of which would come his resurrection. So Jesus was granted the opportunity to suffer. See, it would have made better sense to us if God would have just pulled back the windows of heaven and just started stomping on folks that were his enemy. Here's the problem with that. He would have had to stomp us all. That that would have only ended one way, just total annihilation. But God in his grace chose to suffer. And he chose the way of suffering to display his love and display redemption. And so we get to be sufferers at the hands of those that would stand opposed to the gospel, opposed to the things of God, opposed to the declaration of God. We get to walk in that way. Let me just read some things to you. Luke 20, uh, 9, 23. And he, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his what class? cross the instrument of execution and pain let if you're going to follow me 
deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me to the place of suffering and death. Matthew 5, 10. He says in this, in this Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? For righteousness sake. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus opened the way of the kingdom of heaven to those of us who don't deserve it through suffering, through sacrifice, through demonstration of humble love. Blessed are you who suffer for righteousness sake because you're walking the way of Jesus. Second, uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. I've said these things, Jesus said, I've said these things to you that you may have peace. Why do I need peace, Jesus? Because in this world, you will have what, class? Tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. How did you overcome the world, Jesus? Well, I've always been sovereign over it, but I made the way through it through suffering and you're going to face suffering as a follower of Jesus if you're synced like Jesus if you're synced uh to the gospel if you're synced on mission if you're synced in courage you're going to face tribulation don't worry about that I've overcome the world and just like I overcame through resurrection and glorification so too will you but you can't bypass the suffering. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11. Paul says, we are afflicted in every way. That means we're persecuted all kinds of ways, but not crushed. We're perplexed. What? I don't know why this is, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but God's never forsaken us. We're struck down, but they can't destroy us. We're always carrying in our body the death of Jesus. Paul had scars where he was beaten and kicked and stoned and thrown and left. He says, I've got marks in my body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Jesus is seen in us most class. Listen, not by a Jesus t-shirt or a Jesus bumper sticker, or the size of your Bible, or where you go to school or church. People see Jesus in us when we're placed in the vice of suffering and the character of Jesus squeezes out of us. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Second Timothy 3, 12. Doesn't get any clearer than this. Indeed, Paul says, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus. Stop right there. Don't read. Do you desire to live a godly life in Jesus? If you do, raise your hand. Say, you know what? I just want to live a godly life in Jesus. Good. Guess what? You will be what, class? Persecuted. Suffer. Those who live a godly life in Jesus won't live a godly life. They're going to live healthy, wealthy, happy. That is the biggest bunch of garbage going around in the world today. God wants you to be healthy, 
wealthy, and happy. You know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to apologize to them apostles and a host of folks who died in the Colosseum in the first century and all kinds of folks that were burned at the stake over the translation of God's word. He's got a big apology he's got to give. God never said you're going to be healthy, wealthy, or happy. But God did say, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear none of that because I'm with you. Hey, you remember how I come out on the other side, right? Oh, yeah, resurrected. That's how you're going to come out. But you got to follow me in that way, the way of suffering. Acts, 520, uh, Acts 5, 40 to 42. And when they, talking about the apostles, when they, uh, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ, that the Christ is Jesus. They suffered and they kept on going, knowing that there would be more suffering. James and Peter shared both much about how God uses suffering for his glory. Read James, read 1 Peter. They reinforce how God uses persecution in order to build our faith. I go to the gym. It doesn't look like it, but I do. Go to the gym and I press on some things that are resistant to my pressing, okay? I've been told <laughs> that if I do that, it will tear down the muscle fibers. Well, why would anybody want to tear down their muscle fibers? I'm told that when you tear down your muscle fibers and then put back protein and other elements, that it actually builds back more muscle. I've not experienced that a whole lot, but I'm told. And so I'm doing some of that in the expectation that maybe one day I will be able to say, oh yeah, it happened. God breaks us down for the purpose of what? Building us back up. And get this, man, this is awesome. If you'll let this sink in and embrace it, when we're locked in together, when God breaks me down and builds me up, guess who also becomes stronger? The one on the left of me and the one on the right of me because I can hold a lot tighter. And when you're on the left and right of me and you get broke down because you're synced to the heart of God and God builds you back up stronger, guess who benefits from that? Me. Because you're stronger now and you can hold on to me. You know when we don't benefit? It's when we're off in the corner doing our own thing, not locked in. It's like, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I got time to do this because I don't have time for that. I'm not getting no stronger. And you're not getting no stronger because of me. That makes sense. Okay. Well, good. We'll move on. Persecution comes in a couple different ways. Subtle and overt. You ready? Subtle persecution. It can be anything from frowns at us. You ever been frowned at because you're a follower of Jesus? Oh, really? Okay. Frowns. It can look like eye raising. 
Eyebrow raising? Oh, oh, really? You do that? Oh, you're not going? Really? Why? I got, oh, oh, you're one of them. Okay, good. It can look like social exclusion. Everybody else gets the invitation to the office party, but you don't, and you know why. It's because you've told them, well, I'm a Christian. Nobody invites your kid to the birthday party or has them come over to the house. You know why? Because they know what's going on over there. It's not going to be okay with you. Why? Because you're a Christian and you try to pattern your life according to the principles of God's word. You're going to get excluded socially. I'm so sorry, but it's going to happen. Gossip. Folks are going to talk about you. Folks are going to talk about you and they're going to call you things that you didn't think you were, but to them you are, and that will hurt your feelings. You might get blacklisted. You might not be allowed to participate simply because of what you espouse. Well, that ain't fair. I know it ain't fair, but it's what's going to happen. And it's a gift. Or you might have opportunities that you forfeit by saying no to the fear of missing out. Here we go again. You might have to suffer the loss of not being able to participate because you've chosen to say no to the fear of missing out and say, you know what, I'm going to choose what's more important for me and my family. And you might suffer the loss of a missed opportunity. That's subtle. Here are the overt persecutions you may face because they happen to folks in this word and throughout history. Negative to hostile public comments. Folks could come out and say things negatively publicly about you and proclaim your name as some sort of evil enemy. You could also get economic sanctions. You might be kept from things that you should be able to do because you're a follower of Jesus. You might face career firings where you cannot advance because you're a follower of Jesus and you will not say okay to some of the things that you're required to say okay to. You might face physical pressure. You might even at some point face death for the cause of Christ. And you know what God says? I'm with you. I'm going to walk you through it. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be enjoyable but I'm going to be glorified and nobody's going to be able to deny who led you through this. And you're going to come out on the other side. I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to give you a crown of suffering that you can lay at the feet of the one who suffered first for you. You see, in this message, we're really not trying to amp you up to face death but I am trying to bring you to an attention of all of the silly little things that we choose over going without, going without those silly little things in order to be distinct for suffering. Many Christians try to escape or minimize their persecution because of their need or their desire to be liked. I won't do, I won't stand up, I won't be synced to the heart of God because I just want folks to like me and I don't want to stir up trouble. We've been called to dig in, lock arms, strive together for the cause of Christ where there is strength and more to come. When Christians suffer for the sake of the gospel, they walk in the way of Jesus and have the promise of his presence 
and his help. But I wonder how many of us aren't suffering today simply because we are saved by faith, by the grace through faith. We're saved, but we're not suffering, I wonder, because we're not synced like Jesus. Embracing the mind of selflessness, humility, sacrifice, future victory. I wonder if we're not suffering because we're not synced on mission. We're happy about the mission, but it's not the motivation of our life. It's not the passion of our heart. We're not locked in. We're excited about coming and being, but we're not locking. I wonder if that's why we're not suffering. Because we're falling victim to fear. Saying yes to the fear of failure. Saying yes to the fear of rejection. Saying yes to the host of things that we just can't imagine missing out on in order to be on mission. Paul said in Philippians 3 verses 8 through 11. Here's what he said about everything he had going on in his life. He said, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything that I've amassed, and he had degrees, and he had accolades, and he had all kinds of things that were his because of how smart of a dude he was. He said, I count it all as loss, rubbish, garbage, because of the worth of knowing Christ. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. I'm motivated that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. Paul says, I've taken everything that could get me ahead in the world. and I've thrown it out to the manure pile. So that I might put all of my eggs in the basket of Jesus. Well, Paul, if you put all your eggs in the basket of Jesus, they're going to want to kill you. I know. How could I more represent my Savior? than to hurt for him like he hurt for me. If you've ever said to anybody, I'd give my life for you. I want you to know, you better know that. I'd die for you. Then you already know what it looks like to stand here, synced for suffering. The question is, are you willing to give your life for somebody back here more than the one who gave his life for you? I hope that answer to that question is, well, of course not. Then you might be ready to be synced to suffer. But it starts with Jesus, the gospel, the mission, courage okay Lord whatever you want to suffer
I'm not asking you to line up for things that are unfavorable because you like them. I'm just sharing God's heart that, hey, this that you might suffer isn't near as bad as what's on the other side of that suffering. Worth every minute. Worth every difficulty. Worth every pain. You follow me? I'll lead you just like I led my son. Victorious on the other side. This is all about our choosing. If we choose to live our life for Christ, synced to the heart of God, fully functioning as we were designed, bringing him maximum glory. We got to remember that Christ called his followers to take up their cross. We got to quit expecting God to protect us from things that will bring him the most glory. We got to stop running and hiding. We got to embrace the potential of suffering as a gift we got to stay locked arms encouraging and driving one another on for the glory of Christ I hope your heart is one that wants to be synced to the one who's given his all for you Father we thank you for the day we thank you for your love we thank you for your word we're thankful that our relationship to you does not depend upon how we live Our relationship with you depends on whether we've placed our trust in Jesus crucified in our place for our sin, trusting him to save us. But then we readily admit that you want us to then organize our life according to your word. So I want to pray first, Father, for the one who may be here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior. Help them to recognize that that they need a Savior. One has been provided. His name is Jesus. He can only be received by faith. Then, Father, I want to pray for that one who's my brother, who's my sister, who's wrestling with the life of pursuing our own way and including you. I pray that you would give them the courage to move toward pursuing you as the model and the determiner of our life. We pray that you will lead us to that place more and more so that as we grow, we will look more like Jesus than we look like ourselves. And God, we ask that you will use your word to build and strengthen us to what lies ahead. Everybody said.